everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet. I will soon be joined by Ken Weave from Sportsnet. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after a game against the Vegas Golden Knights that I'm not sure how I could describe other than we've seen this play before. We've seen this play a number of times. It is a play I was sick of years ago, uh, and it's a play that we saw rolled out almost uh, to the maximum that we've seen it, it rolled out before. I wanted to think of it like this. Did you ever have anyone in your life that, you know, you always, you kept going to bat for, you, you know, and you thought, oh, no, I'm just going to, you know, I know they messed up, but let's let's give them another chance and let's kind of make an excuse for them and let's bring them along. And then in the end, you kind of get burnt and you realize all the people around you who are saying, no, no, they're, they're no good or whatever, you kind of end up finding out that they're right after a while. You get burnt like that. It's how I feel right now because I saw that game against the LA Kings and my analysis on that game was, yeah, we've seen this before and I know that the Jets did that in the first period and they got caved in and they shouldn't be in this game, but somehow they came out of that period 3-2. And I leaned on the fact that, and I do still think that this is different, but I leaned on the fact that the Jets' bottom six ground them back into that game and got them over the hump against that LA Kings team. And, and I thought to myself, okay, fine, fine. You know, this is a one-off. I'm showing signs. Maybe it's a little bit different. And then they went out against the Arizona Coyotes and they laid a stinker in the first period and they were down to nothing. And they slowly got themselves back into that game. And this time their skill, you know, their skilled players, Cole Perfetti goes and does kind of his one-man band routine. Uh, Mark Shifley goes and scores a goal. And then Pierre-Luc Dubois and uh, Blake Wheeler can contribute uh, combined to get the game winner in that game. So their skill pulls one out of the fire there. And then they come into tonight and they get caved in, absolutely caved in by the Vegas Golden Knights. And all I can think to myself is, is there a team in the league? I saw some people were tweeting out the, the Puckpedia, the deserve to win a meters. And I was thinking to myself, is there a team in the league in the last four years that has spit in the eye of the deserve to win a meter, gone out and laid eggs as much as the Winnipeg Jets have and found a way to win the games that they probably don't deserve to win as much as the Winnipeg Jets. This is, uh, I, I believe there's someone in the chat room who's named themselves Sean, <laughs> Sean's brooding pessimism, which I find is hilarious. And I know that this has been an explanation that I've tried to do over the years to explain what it is about certain successes that the Jets have had in the past that I really don't like because I think they're the kind of successes that set you up for failure. This is exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm bothered by it. I take there the Jets did not deserve a point here tonight. And for all the people out there who say, and because there's going to be a lot of you, and I've seen some already in the chat room, there's going to be a lot of you who say they don't ask how, they ask how many, or that they, a win is a win is a win is a win. Well, my take on this the entire time is when the Jets play this kind of hockey, where I don't see an honest effort, but I see them escape with a point like they did tonight, or walk on a road trip and, and take seven sorry, five of a possible six points on the road in three games they probably should have lost. If I was a fan and I didn't want to put any thought into it and I just wanted to, you know, was results orientated, I'd look at this and I'd think, look at the Jets. Isn't this great? They don't even need to try and they can come away from victories. But for all the people who say they don't ask how, they ask how many, I say 
games like this, attitudes like this, habits like this that the Jets fall into lead to the question, how many wins, how many series wins has this team had in the last number of years? How much playoff success has this team had? Because this is where I think it burns the Jets. They get into this and they start falling into this pattern. And what it leads to, to me, is a team that coasts, gets by, usually makes the playoffs instead of in the case that we saw last year. I know that didn't happen. And then when the hockey gets real, games like this get you nowhere. So what you have to believe is that the Jets are just going to do this, but then at some point they'll flip the switch and the real Jets will arrive. Well, we learned over the last three or four years that the real Jets never show up or even worse, these are the real Jets. I say this. A couple games ago, I was glowing, glowing about the Winnipeg Jets game against the St. Louis Blues because I looked at that and I thought that is the exact blueprint that the Winnipeg Jets new coaching staff want the Winnipeg Jets playing and they pulled it off to a tee against a difficult opponent. But since then, I would say that the Jets have regressed game by game by game into the exact same arrogant style of play that we see them fall into last year and the year before that and the year before that. I say that the Jets went in, got away with it against the LA Kings, doubled down on it in Arizona and got away with it and went in tonight and put all the money on the house on it, went all in on that style of hockey and they still pull out a point and there's going to be people here who say that that's a good thing. I think it's a terrible thing. I think the Jets need to learn the lesson that what they're doing here is unacceptable and as long as in the years past and now they're that kind of team that can get away with it, they keep wanting to get away with it. This team got to the blueprint that they were looking for from their coaching staff against the St. Louis Blues and regressed game by game by game into the same old thing we've seen from them for years past. I'm not saying the season's over. I'm not saying that the coaching staff is failing at their job. It's a long season, but I'll tell you this. I've seen this, I've seen this play before. I know where it goes. I don't like the end result of it. And that's why I don't celebrate wins or points like this because I think they're poisonous. I think it's an unsustainable style of play. You do not win hockey games by playing the way the Jets have played on this road trip, despite the fact they got five or six points. And it'll catch up with them in the end. That's my take on it anyways. I think Ken's got a very different po uh, point of view from this than I do. I don't know if the divorce lawyer is in the chat. I think you're going to be needed on this night. Uh, so get ready. Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. Here comes Kenny. It's going to be a wild one. Here's my guy.
Kenny, as always, you're looking sharp, my friend. Those are the kind of threads that you find at Vittorio Rossi, where Frank makes the boys look like a million bucks. I'm not sure you can find many purple sweaters or uh, Red Sox baseball hats there. I know that I'm, uh, but I've got the comforts of the home, and I should add, take a look at this beauty yes. that I added. It's, 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 it's metal, so it's got like a nice pinging sound. I was going to use it as a gong or something like that when I thought someone made a good point. You know, I bring up a good point here. Uh, uh, nice lid, Fabio says Jeff Cabellas. Give him a little ring off the gong. That's what we need to do here. But uh, hey, Vittorio Rossi, Rossi uh, on Pemina, sorry, on Corden, uh, our guy Frankie, he's the guy to go see. I believe Kenny is going to be debuting a new suit in our next game. I can't wait to see it. Uh, once you see it, you'll realize why Frank's the best in town. So go see the boys at Vittorio Rossi if you're looking for anything. Ken, I'm looking in the chat room here and I'm, you know, I could have like set a, a set a watch by the kind of comments that we're going to see. I know some people are on board with me and then I know that some other people like Brad Hall here and who's to say I'm right and he's wrong. He says, I like regressing into first in the central five out of six points on the road. Hey, if you want to take a look at that and think that that that's first place and that that kind of game is going to keep you in first place i i invite brad hall to stick around and and see how this works out for the rest of the year um i should couch this by saying i i don't actually know what you're going to say i don't know what you've drawn from the conversations that you have with the players and coach after the game i just know from our texts we had a very different viewpoint <laughs> on this game i hate this game ken i hate it I think it's I think it's terrible. I think these are the kind of games that the Jets would be better off losing seven to one than losing two to one in overtime because they can hang and maybe they did. I, I didn't hear what they had to say. I know in the past it was stuff like stay in the fight and oh I love their stick to itiveness and stuff like that. This is nothing more than a goaltender bailing his team out for a heck of a lot of time and then the other team finally getting what they've earned throughout the game and getting a victory, but the Jets sneaking away with a point. I can't stand games like this. How'd you feel? Well, I mean, it was not good enough, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to tell you the Jets uh, already know that it wasn't good enough. Brendan Dillon, clearly we didn't deserve to win that one. Hellebuck gave us a chance to win. They're happy with five of six, but we have to be way better. So uh, the theory that they kind of just nonchalantly went into the game and thought they could win it with skill. I, I don't see that as as how they went into the game. Scott O'Neill was very disappointed in the starts. He basically said, you know, he, he brought out that line that he said a few times now. Uh, you know, he praised the bottom, you know, the third and the fourth lines, but said the top six needed to be better. All their lines have to look the same. And tonight, two lines look the same, but they weren't the Jets' top two lines. They were the Jets' yep. third and fourth lines. The, the lines that kept it simple, that played in straight lines, that protected the puck. The fourth line was one of the only lines that had any jump in the first two periods. And then the Lowry line got it going a bit in the third. Uh, no, it wasn't good enough. It's not sustainable. Uh, the only player who you know would have provided an A-plus effort today was Connor Hellebuck. Uh, so to me, I, I agree with you to, to some degree that... Uh, the Jets, you know, definitely did not deserve to win, but the fact that they've recognized that that's not, you know, wasn't good enough to me. That's already a step forward from you know 2019 or last year, where I know the regret, the regression that you're talking about, is from 2019 and on is accurate. But to me, I don't think the Jets got markedly worse. I mean, they weren't good enough in LA, pulled the rabbit out of a hat, but they were dominant in the third period against the Coyotes. But the Coyotes are 
one of the teams that are going to be among the worst in the NHL this year. They work incredibly Correct. hard, but they're not skilled. So uh, I, I don't think that the Jets have suddenly decided to snap a finger um, today and, and get it going in the third. And I mean, they, what we were texting about, I mean, it was a total... Lowry's goal comes... It, it's that greasy goal that Rick Bonus was talking about before he was you know, taken out of commission again. So to me, I see growth in terms of the recognition. I don't see growth in terms of how they're coming out. Their starts have been horrendous. So um, I'm not here to spin anything. The Jets didn't deserve a point. They didn't deserve anything. Except when you have an elite goalie, sometimes you can you can pull pull a point out when you don't deserve one. I'll be curious. If this is still happening in games 10 through 20 and after the first quarter of the season... Now I'm then I will push my chips to where you've already pushed them. I mean, to me, I, I see too many strides in terms of the commitment that's being made. To me, Sean, if that's and if that ends up being the case, if the Jets just are what they have been, then the coaching change wouldn't have made an impact. To me, I've seen the coaching change already make an impact in the nine games, but it's weird circumstance, right? I mean, Rick Bonus has been behind the bench one game out of nine and that's to take nothing away from the job that Scott O'Neill, Brad Lauer and Marty Johnson have done conveying the message the message has been communicated well right now the Jets are still having trouble putting it into operation and the biggest thing being that they are giving what do we hear in training camp don't give up as many high danger chances as what they have in the past <laughs> they've totally leaned on Hellebuck almost worse than last year in terms of the home plate area chances that are being given up. So I'm not here to say the Jets are playing well, but I'm not ready to, to, you know, I know you're not burying their season, but I'm not here to say the Jets are automatically going to be what they have been previously. They may end up being that, but I'm I, I'm not making that, to, you know, concession after nine games. I mean, they have a long, long way to go. And we knew this was not going to be an overnight sensation. So to me, uh, their starts are not good enough. Uh, they had a pretty decent third period. Uh, Scott O'Neill used the word not picturesque. But their third was better than the previous two. And they actually had a better, they had the better, you know, series of play in overtime. Uh, Aiden Hill, you know, he wasn't busy at all through two periods. And then he had to be pretty good in overtime. So I don't know. I, I Like I said, I'm with you to a degree. I'm just not ready to make the assertion that there's, you know, the Jets are what they were previously because I, I'm not there yet. I mean, I, I use the example of the St. Louis Blues, and I know that you said, you know, the Jets have had four years now to get this sorted out, and they haven't done it. You're right. But to me, we know that the St. Louis Blues have an identity. They played to their identity in the first three games, and they didn't play it barely at all. And now all of a sudden they played four games in six days. They got blown out to the tune of 20-7. to seven. This is a team that doesn't give up a lot of goals. They gave up seven to Montreal. So I don't think that that's the normal St. Louis Blues. It's the first time they've lost four regulation games under Craig Berube. I'm not saying that they're the, they're the team that was the first three games, but I don't think they're the team that lost four games either. It's somewhere in the middle. I feel the same way about the Jets. Would I have, you know, would you or I have predicted five, three, and one after nine games? 
Hold on. I, Did you? I, oh, no, you actually were pretty close uh, to that. Sorry. Hold on. Five, I, four, and one is what you five, said. Five, four, and one is what I okay. said. Okay. Jets would be. Okay, that means they'll have to lose to the Montreal Canadiens on Thursday. Exactly. Yes. So okay, but, well. Listen, even, even if they go six, three, and one, six, three, and one, I'm pretty darn close. So, listen. They're they're very close to what I thought they were capable sure. of being, especially to start a tough schedule. But to do it like this is not how I thought they were going to do it, and that's the problem. That's why this is a problem. And you're right. Hey, every day is a new day, Ken. I'm not defining the Winnipeg Jets at this moment and saying hang up the sign. The Winnipeg Jets are what we thought they were years ago. Get rid of it. This coaching staff needs more time. And hey, I love this question, uh, Terry. Terry. T. Ray or Terry Trey says, will Bones right the ship? I, I, I do think that what's going to happen is the Jets are going to get home from this and Rick Bonus is going to walk in and he's going to be like, anyone who thinks that any of that was acceptable, it's not. This isn't how we win hockey games. I talked about that game against the Blues that they won 4 nothing. Jets' identity is inability to clean legs that they always won. Nothing has changed from last year. I mean, that's a, that's a good point as well. Um, but, like, any – like. Rick Bonus wants a game plan that if he, if the goalie's not playing well or his stars aren't playing well, they can still win. If Connor Hellebuck is not playing well tonight, this is a slaughter. This is destruction. This is not a bonus game plan. This is the Jets getting bailed out by one player that has bailed them out time and time and time again. And it's little things like, Ken, you know, you talked about them getting better in the third. And yeah, they weren't as putrid as they were in the first and second period when they were in the third period. But we're talking about the high danger chances they're trying to eliminate. A guy gets in all alone on Connor Hellebuck with, what was it, under 30 seconds 20 left? Seconds, yep. Under 20 seconds left? And you give a guy the puck all alone in the home plate, and your goalie's got to bail you in that situation. And that's not the last sh- shot from the slot that they get before the game is over. This was destruction. And so I'll say this. Tomorrow's a new day. I'm by no means waving the white flag and saying that Rick Bonus and the staff came in here and have failed. I think Rick Bonus and his staff, after this trip, have a real understanding of A, why this team plays hockey like this, because they get away with it. Just like they did on this trip, they get away with bad efforts in three straight games and walk away with five out of six points. And once upon a time when they looked like they were assuming the crown in the NHL and they did that, it still worked because they'd made a hard push in the playoffs and this looked like a team that didn't have a lot to play for in the regular season and was going to turn things on in the playoffs and do something. Well, that never materialized and all we were left with was this Winnipeg Jets team not putting in a very good effort and skilling their way through games, having phenomenal comeback after comeback after comeback, or phenomenal performance by Connor Hellebuck stealing game after game after game that they shouldn't have won. But we know where this recipe takes you. So I've made my point. We don't need to talk about the recipe. I think if the Jets keep on with this attitude, we'll just see another subpar performance if they get to the playoffs that's where it's headed but i i i am fully believing that that the coaching staff is looking at this and saying this is why this is why this team has found itself in trouble in past years because it can it can still win games like this which means the incentive to change is not as strong positive reinforcement This is psychology 101. If you want a behavior out of someone, you reward that behavior. Well, the Jets reward themselves 
for terrible outings like this with points. And they do it time and time and time again, which means I believe this team is less incentivized naturally to not put in the kind of effort that they did against the St. Louis Blues because they can either work their ass off like dogs against the St. Louis Blues and win for nothing, or they can mail it in against the LA Kings and still win. And then they can do the same thing against the Coyotes and still win that game. And then they can almost pull it out the fire against one of the top teams in the league in this Vegas Golden Knights team. That's the task that the that the Winnipeg Jets coaching staff has in front of them now. They need to find a way to buck the natural order of positive reinforcement that this team constantly gives itself and find a way to convince them that that is not what they need to do, that they need to put in a more often or a, a more uh, considerable effort more often. So I, I think they're going to work on that. But what I will say, Ken, is I, in my mind, there is no doubt the Jets went from the blueprint that the coaching staff wants them to play and regressed into the worst of what the Winnipeg Jets have shown us over the last little while. They won, so what? It hasn't meant anything in the years past when it mattered. I don't see it m- meaning anything this year, this time around. That's the fight that they have to do. They have to convince a team that is regressing and yet still succeeding that there's a better way to succeed. That's a tough go. I think Bones is up to the challenge, but they have a. this just showed me the whole idea of changing this team over from what it was to what they want it to be is a monumental task. And I think most of it is in between the ears, which I think is where the hardest battles are fought. Yeah, and here's a quick one here. Um, Scott, did you address this? This is what he said. I mean, we'll take the five points, but the LA game was a lot like tonight. Our goalie had to stand on his head there for most of the evening. We'll take the points and get out of here. We've got lessons to learn and continue to have to get out of some bad habits that we keep throwing at ourselves. Just the way we get started in games isn't good enough in this league, and the league's only going to get tougher as we move forward. It's not going to be these coming back games like we're trying to do every night. So just as a group, we've got to be better. We want to play a more complicated game than we need to. You're on the road. You're in a hostile environment. That's the time you try to keep it as simple as possible. We've been stressing it for nine games, but they just haven't been able to deliver. I mean, so I think that there's recognition here. I mean, let's not forget, Sean. In a year the Jets missed the playoffs by eight points last year, they had their best start in franchise history at 9-3-3. Three, and three. But I don't think they had as many pull-it-out-of-the-fire games during that start. So a, new, a fresh start is nothing new for the Jets. So is it? it's fool's gold. It's fool's gold right now. It was five, three, and one starter. Don't you remember last year they went on that West Coast swing? They pulled out a game against the LA Kings. They shouldn't have won. And then they went against the, sorry, against the Anaheim Ducks that they shouldn't have won the second time they played them. And then they went and either scored two goals with under a buck 20 left for them to go from a loss to a win. They've been, this is them. This is what they do. They Listen, it, it makes all the sense in the world that this road trip ended in Vegas because the best escape artist in the NHL put on a show in, t- in town tonight <laughs> and escaped with one point after doing the same show and selling out the Staples Center and the 5,000-seat Mullet Arena. Everyone showed up to see the magician at work, and the magician got out of the tank tonight, although he was puking up a little bit of water because he just <laughs> barely got out. But this is what we see tonight. The Jets are escape artists. They've done it for years because they like to bury themselves in concrete and water 
before they get out of something. They it's like they crave it. It's like this is what they want. What's the name of the guy from Winnipeg uh, who does this for a living? Darcy O. No, not Darcy O. Oh, the other guy. Oh, geez. What's his name? Uh, blonde, long hair, kind of like this on the back. Anyway, <laughs> I covered him a couple of years ago. He's a world-renowned escape artist. I think the thrill of that, the guys do that for a reason. The thrill of that is what the Jets crave. More than going out and putting in an honest effort, they, they crave the thrill of sitting back and getting buried and saying, okay, let's see if we can get ourselves out of this one. It's, yeah, it's, I just don't it's agree. Time, and time again. I, I just didn't get the sense there. I mean... Um, Brendan Dillon's played for you know a team that made the Stanley Cup final. He, he knows this is not this is not their formula. Uh, we saw we saw one brief glimpse of their formula against St. Louis, Dean and we Gunnarsson. haven't. There you go. Sorry, nice job, Noxie. Nice. Dean Gunnarsson is there the guy go. that I'm talking about. Nice work, nice work, yeah. Noxie. Well done. Um, yeah, I mean it's just the Jets are they know this is not sustainable. I mean. And that's nothing. That's to say nothing about how elite Connor Hellebuck has been. He's been tremendous, just like we expected um, him to be. But uh, I, I just don't think I don't see the Jets uh, going in as this is their game plan. We can, we can. They're you know they're skilled. They're not skilled enough to win with that formula. Uh, I saw a team that didn't didn't skate. They were skating in quicksand. I saw a team that didn't win enough battles. So what I'm very curious about, uh, Sean, and I said this to you, what are the Jets going to look like against Montreal after another break in the action? This is not an excuse. The Jets have not practiced virtually at all in the last two weeks' time. Um, we had a debate about um, you know, the first game against the New York Rangers, and you told me all about how tough it was for them to fly 45 minutes and play to back-to-back. The Jets have come to the Pacific time I zone. About the Sean, Sean, back-to-back. Sean. This isn't a back-to-back. And I, no. and I gave them that excuse. I gave them that excuse. I okay. handed it to them on a platter. Here you go, Arizona Coyotes, a team that looks more like an AHL team than an NHL team. I gave the Jets that excuse. And this is how they repay me? After all <laughs> that, they get a night off and they come back and now we're using that as another excuse? I'm not using an excuse. I'm simply telling you the Jets have had two trips to the Pacific time zone. They've played three and four twice, including a pair of back-to-backs. They look to me like a team that had no legs. You know who had legs? The guys who haven't been playing 22 minutes. The fourth-line guys that are playing seven to ten minutes. They looked good. They played a straight-line game. We talked about Cole Perfetti playing his best game as a Jet in the NHL. David Gustafson might have played his best game in the NHL today, and not just because I'm the conductor of the Gus bus. He was excellent on a lot of fronts. Axel Janssen Fialbi moving his feet. Uh, Sakumenalainen made a bunch of good plays. So, uh, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I'm not willing to talk. I mean, again, the Jets were not good enough. They recognized they weren't good enough. If they're bad against Montreal and again was a Chicago coming in, if those are issues, if those continue, then they've got a huge problem. Sean, it's a massive, massive flag out there right now. It's a red flag. And if they don't wake up, then they're going to have a problem because, like you said, eventually people figure out that the magician, that there's always there's not enough substance to some of the magicians, except the high, high-end ones, right? So um, if those issues continue, the Jets are going to be in trouble. I mean, 
like we said, right now it's fool's gold. And let's see how they respond when they're back home. They need to get rolling. I like that fool's gold. I will say this too. Um, the Jets have won five games this year. Five games this year. So they're five, five three, three and one. one. Their first win came against the New York Rangers, a game in which they got caved in. Connor Hellebuck held them in it and they pulled it out and won it late. Then their, their next win came against the uh, Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche, where they put in a good, hard effort. That team pushed back. The Jets pushed back. Their best game of the year, in my mind. Sorry, other other than sorry, they've won six or five. Five, three, and one. Five, three, and one. Sorry. Then they get another honest effort against the St. Louis Blues. Then they turn around and get another win where they get caved in by the LA Kings, and they get they turn around and they get another win in which they could have been buried at the beginning of that game against a Phoenix Coyotes team that I will be blown away if they don't pick top five this year. So I take a look, three of their five wins, 60% of the wins that they've put up this year are games where they got caved in by the other team and managed to pull out a victory. The escape artist has been at work double time to start this season and the idea of rick bonus is supposed to be a team that gives themselves a chance to win every single night in and night out this is not let me just say this and be abundantly clear this is not rick bonus hockey this is not why rick bonus was brought in this is not what he's trying to achieve this looks nothing like what rick bonus's game plan is drawn up on the board so at the very least whether you get points or not if your coach wants you playing like this, there's a disconnect between what the coach and the coaching staff are expecting from the players and what they're giving. That needs to be addressed because like you're, I love the way that you described it as fool's gold because that's what it is. There's a whole bunch of people here who are saying, I have to be wrong. I have to be wrong because the Jets got five out of six points. I think fool's gold is the perfect example of that. Points don't mean everything if you're not earning them properly and the way that you play is likely to mean less of those points going forward in the future. Ken, we got to turn things around here. Give me your lamplighter on the night. Oh, lamplighter is the overtime winner by Jack Eichel. Uh, just a really smart and strong play along the wall. Uh, he kind of went for the old stop and go, went wide on Mark Shifley, cut into the slot, and stuffed it home. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, after the game, said he would like to have a little, <laughs> he'd like to have another look at it. Uh, but he thought his initial reaction was he probably should have tried to go for the poke check there. Uh, that's a really smart play. Eichel uses a bit of a longer stick, so he was able to keep the puck in tight, and then he got it out wide and stuffed it. And instead of having that indecision, I think Hellebuck's probably right. Poke check is probably the only way he could have stopped him. Jets kind of got it caught out a bit of a long shift there in overtime. They didn't defend it incredibly well. Uh, again, a little bit of jello legs, I thought, but... Uh, Jack Eichel's OT winner is my lamplighter uh, of the game, and, and it was it was very impressive, the goal itself. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, and, of course, uh, if you want to join in uh, on the lamplighter conversation, just leave us in the chat room. You can go to watch this on YouTube afterwards. Leave it there. You can send messages to Kenny. It's, you can either direct message Kenny and myself on Twitter, or you could just, you know, it would be, make it easy to find it, too, if you just went and you shared your lamplighter on Twitter. We'll find it at that point, especially if you... Put at Sean Reynolds or at Weeb's World into your tweet. Give us your uh, lamplighter of the game, and you could win a frosty eight pack of Trans Canada Brewing Company's Lamplighter Amber Ale. That's one of these bad boys right here. Absolutely love this. Yes, that's stuff. the first official uh, gong right there, Sean. That's the first first official, official gong. gong. There you go. 
That's well. You know what I'll do. I'll, you need get one get made. Get the drumstick made. Let's I'll, go. Yes, yeah. I've got. Oh, I've got a drumstick. Come right on. In the room. Let's I'll go. Just bring it in next time. Okay. Let's go. What I'm gonna do is we're gonna give her the old gong when I announce the winner, and I'm gonna do that right now. Brian Hallett is the Lamplighter winner. He left a comment below our video on YouTube. Brian Hallett, if you're listening, you gotta get a hold of us because we don't have your contact information and we'll send you all you need to do to get your hands on your free eight pack of frosty, frosty Lamplighter Amber Ale from Transcanada Brewing. Absolutely delicious stuff. So there you go. The big winner, Brian Hallett. I remind everybody here that if you don't get a hold of us before the next show, luckily Brian's got a lot of time. If you don't get a hold of us before the next show, we roll it over and the next winner gets a 16 pack. So Brian, you got to get a hold of us. Direct message me uh, at Twitter is probably the easiest way people have been getting a hold of me. Send me your email and I'll send that down the line. Uh, and, and in the meantime, anyone who wants to go get a taste of it themselves, head down to TransCanada Brewing Company at 11290 Keniston. Go to their tap room. It's phenomenal. The pizza is lights out. There's a... Uh, Ken, I was gonna. I wanted to talk to you about this first because I wanted to like tie into a lamp later in this game. I needed it after that game tonight. <laughs> I needed it. I'm not gonna do it. I think I'm gonna do it in the future. But there's a peanut butter and jelly. Oh, in the, beer. in the mixed pack. Yes, in the mixed pack they gave us that I am dying to get on. If you're okay with it, I may just do like a live taste taste test on that next time because they've got zero misses so far from what I've seen. You had something you wanted to say. No, just a quick thing. And for the folks who aren't watching live, if you're listening on the podcast, we only choose the lamplighter at the next game. So, you know, in this case, the Jets don't play until you know Montreal until Thursday. So you can still get your vote in. You know, of course, we love it when you get the votes in live and in real time. It's but great. there's still time to get it in, you know, before the next game, before the choices are made. And just a quick one. We were on the air until after 1 a.m., I think, the other day on Friday from Mullet Arena. I think that was our highest show in terms of YouTube views for regular a regular season. season game. So shout Over out to everyone. 3,000 views. Incredible, 3, which is absolutely views. awesome. Awesome. Plus uh, close to 900 already on the download. So, uh, yeah. folks, we appreciate the support and uh, keep it flowing here. Uh, let, let's, let's shift gears a little bit Hold here. Hold on a sec. Before we shift gears, I wanted to do our oh, yeah. Got You Covered Johnson group play of the game. I'm going to take that one. I think that one was pretty darn obvious. I think you would too, Ken. But that Connor Hellebuck stick save, uh, absolutely phenomenal. Just one of the many saves that he was just absolutely pulling out tonight i mean i was starting to think and there was that one uh, one shot where it was a cross crease pass and it went off the post i thought that he'd save that. Yeah, yeah i it was, was under his pad under it his was pad. under his pad it was starting to look to me ken it was starting to look to me like that that was maybe the best game that we'd ever seen connor hellebuck play uh, they touched on it on the broadcast and get, did a good job of explaining it. But, like, not only was he making those kind of saves, but he was just, like, gobbling up the rebounds. It, it was like he was one of those, like, fly tapes. You know what I mean? That you touch yeah. it and the puck just stuck to him. He was all over it tonight. This is this is what the We Got You Covered play of the game by Johnson Group is all about. Like, flash it in neon. This was as as perfect an example of having the Jets covered as you possibly could. Uh, I love this segment by the Johnson Group. Absolutely great stuff. And I got to say, you won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan Employee Benefits proudly administered by our friends 
at Johnston Group. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses and its unique cooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues and Teladoc Telemedicine Services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. And thank you so much to the Johnston Group, the Kenny and Rennie OGs, the originals. If you are a business owner and you're looking to help out your staff, they're the guys to go talk to. Ken, you have something you want to say? I can feel it burning you up. (laughs) Although I asked Ellabuck about the, you need to watch the video because the, the words just don't tell the whole story. I asked Connor Hellbuck about the paddle save late, and he kind of looked at me and grinned, and he said, that wasn't luck at all. And then he smiled, and after a pregnant pause, he said, sometimes it's good to have luck. You have to have luck to be good in this league. Uh, And earlier he said, that's my job back there, to be a rock when I'm needed. So, hey, I mean, I I like the assessment. Connor Hellbuck was frustrated that they didn't get the two points, but... He also knows that he stole the one. And Sean, the most important development for the Jets is not what you've talked about. We've addressed the concerns, and the concerns are real. But the biggest development for the Jets is that Connor Hellebuck is playing at an elite, elite level. It's what we anticipated would happen. And we know there were still stretches last year where Hellebuck was great, even if his raw numbers were not there. Goals saved above expected were still relatively high, uh, and he still played you know, solid at times. This year, there have not been any muffins allowed by Connor Hellebuck, and he's making all-world saves with regularity. Now, Arnil also said, Sean, they don't want to make it this hard for Hellebuck this early in the year, but they know that right now Connor is, has just been absolutely awesome so far this year. And again, what do we say going into the year? Connor Hellebuck had to be elite. And Mark Shifley had to raise his effort in all three zones. Those two things have happened. Was it Shifley's best game today? No. I mean, people will look on the game winner and say, oh, well, he should have had him. Well, three on three, if somebody gets a half step on you at the end of a long shift, you're toast. So I don't think it was a lack of effort. I think it was just a really good player making a really good play um, that got that got stuffed home. So, uh, okay, let's go. Quick one here. I want to talk... Uh, some folks have been asking about Ehlers, so uh, hey. I have I have put it up on my Twitter, and Rob Somerville um, just mentioned it there. Uh, Ehlers did not skate on this road trip. I asked Scott Arneal about it at the very end. So hold on, hold on, Ken. Ken, uh, someone explain this to Beer League in the comments. I, I want to let Ken talk, and I don't want to interrupt him. So someone explain to Beer League what the lamplighter is. Sorry, go on, Ken. No, no, all good. So Ehlers didn't skate at all on this trip, so they need him to ramp up his off ice off ice workouts before he can get back on the ice. So I would say, I mean, for a guy that was supposed to be day to day, I mean, he's missed seven games now. Like that's not day to day, and I, I understand. I'm not saying the Jets were. You know, providing a false narrative, but sometimes these injuries linger, and, and I mean, this is a huge problem. I mean, I, I said this to you, and I know you agree. I mean, today's game was another classic example of how much the Jets miss Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah. He's the kind of guy that, yeah. in a game where you don't have your legs, you find a way to crank it up and do something with a zone entry or with a simple play or 
or whatever else. They really miss him. Um, it's really done a good... It's really impacted that top six's ability to generate with regularity. I mean, there's no other way to put it. And uh, Scott, and for those... I mean, in the last game I mentioned that I saw Logan Stanley in a walking boot. Scott O'Neill said he would have to be looked at. He blocked a shot on the top of his skate. He'll have to be looked at when the Jets get back home. To me, I think it's more more than a day-to-day injury. But we'll see what the update is when the Jets are back. Okay, you know what? I want to get into the... Um... Uh, this is actually pretty funny. Uh, your friend Bridger would ask the same question. Indeed. Um, um, I want to get your take on the flip-flopping that happened in the top six lines and, and get your take on I think everyone here can fairly agree that the Jets' top six really didn't get a lot accomplished here on this evening. How much of that do you think has to do with the fact that they were just off tonight? How much of it do you think can be pinned on the idea that maybe the line blender stopped on some lines that didn't quite work? One quick one. I, I love this comment from Andrew Haleko. I am officially on the Gus bus. It's a bus that features Axel checking tickets and Saku working security. Fourth line had positive impact in all games on this trip. And that's something that we talked about was very necessary for the Jets this year after not being able to lean on their um, fourth line much in the last little while. Uh, Here's my thought. I mean, it's interesting. We thought probably based on the chemistry they had last year that Dubois and Connor would would eventually pick it up right where they left off that hasn't been the case I mean um, you know is it because they haven't played at all they didn't have you know they didn't play together at all during training camp Uh, we'll see but right now the top six didn't click there were too many uh, turnovers they weren't really rolling and they didn't generate very much yeah Cole Perfetti had a nice chance in the second period from the high slots but Overall, those lines didn't generate enough. There were some nice plays with Perfetti and Shifley, a couple nice drop passes and plays, but I didn't think that either one of those lines had a particular... No, neither one of those top lines was good enough. Uh, do I think that's where they should land? No. Uh, I think that there's another there's another spin of the blender. I don't think an industrial spin is required. <laughs> that's a Scott Billick special, the industrial spin. Uh, but I don't think that this is where things need to land. And this, Sean, we talked about this. It, it, it worked in overtime the other night. I think a flip, simple flip of Appleton and, and uh, Wheeler would be the next move for me. Uh, you put Appleton back with Shifley and Perfetti, and then you move Wheeler with Dubois and Kyle Connor. But, Sean, this is another big issue. Kyle Connor has had times when he's been dangerous. Tonight was not one of them. If I had told you that that Kyle Connor would have one goal through nine games, there's no way in you know where that you would think the Jets would have five wins. I mean, Kyle Connor is an elite point producer and elite sniper. He has one goal into an empty net. That's not that's not good enough. Yeah, again, no, I, it's, I, I don't think it's a lack of effort, but I think right now he hasn't been nearly as dangerous as we're used to. And he's got to turn. He's got to get that turned around, because the Jets need him. He is one of their top players, and he needs to play like it. So I, I think that um, you. I think one of the places where we disagree is I, I think you okay, go on. One quick one. Sorry, uh, Hammy will join us uh, for the last fifteen minutes if you send him the link. 
Okay. Uh-oh. There you go. Look He's out. in the it's building get, and ready to go. You, you guys thought I was fired up. Look out for this. Um, so, well, then I'm going to tee you up with a question. Sure. Uh, but let me just, uh, before before I do that, um, you and I seem to di- disagree. Like, I think you think there's a built-in reason for the Jets not to have their legs tonight. I don't. I, I don't think there's any excuse for them not to have their legs on this night. And so it leads me to believe in that situation where you've got um, – Shifley, uh, Shifley on a line with with um, uh, Wheeler and Perfetti. They looked that that looked like the slowest version of Mark Shifley I've seen so far this year, and that definitely looked like the slowest version of Cole Perfetti that I've seen this year. And it's interesting your your comment about uh, Kyle Connor. And you wouldn't think this team could be where it was without him scoring. Well, two things have spelled that off. And one of those is exactly what you talked about. They're, the contributions that we're getting from the bottom six, we weren't used to that in years past, right? So Kyle Connor needed to score like that because you weren't really getting much of anything from the bottom six. Well, they're winning and, they're, and have been winning because that bottom six, again, tonight, they're the ones that come through and get on the scoreboard. That's been working. But, I mean, Mark Scheifele, does he have seven goals now? I think the league six. leader is six, six goals. He's right outside, I think, you know, yeah, I think he's in the top 10 or something like that. So yeah. the, the, the one thing that I thought was interesting, and I go back to that conversation that you and I had uh, at the beginning of the year about who who is the shooter on that line. And it seems to be early on the way the wheel spun, it landed on Shifley. And Shifley started being the guy who was playing off everyone else off the line, which is we're not necessarily used to from Kyle Connor. I thought I saw Kyle Connor's legs move a little bit faster tonight. He just seemed not kind of connected with his line out there. Um, and Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think, is used to playing a little bit of a different kind of game without him. Give them a couple games. I need to see a couple games for them to try and recreate what they did last year because I thought they were absolutely great uh, last year when they got going. But I, when I saw the way that these lines changed, the one thing that I was thinking is, Wheeler, I don't know. Let's, let's just be honest. Blake Wheeler isn't the Blake Wheeler from five years ago that was maybe the fastest player on the team despite him being as big as he was and so rugged and impossible to get the puck off the boards. Wheeler used to be the guy who pushed the pace on his line, and I haven't seen that at all this year. I haven't seen him being the guy that everyone else is skating to keep up with. And so the one thing about that is, is we talked about what Mark Shifley would have to do on a line with Nick Ehlers. I know Nick Ehlers hasn't played a lot, but on a line with Nick Ehlers and Kyle Connor, it, he was going to have to speed up in order to keep up with those players. And we know he's fast enough to do it. Paul Maurice also always said that he was actually the fastest player on the team. But having two guys who just consistently go, 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 um, forced him to, to to pick up his game and skate a little bit faster. And I think that's led, led to him bumping, jumping into holes and, and putting the puck in the net that how he has. The one concern that I have with him going back on the, the line with Blake Wheeler is the old snake charmer routine that those two players have done for years where they, where they would rather slow the game down than speed it up. And on a night like tonight, if you want to slow play the Golden Knights, look out. That's a problem. That is a big-time problem because those guys will just skate up and take the puck away, get their sticks into lanes. I still say this. The Jets lost to the Golden Knights back in 2018 because they liked playing that little bit of a snake charmer style. And the Vegas Golden Knights are just too good at getting sticks into lanes and breaking things up. I thought that's what we saw tonight. 
that line, if they choose to stick with that line, I think only works with so many teams that you play against. Um, and, and I liked where Mark Shifley was headed. So for me, line combinations, and I don't have them sitting in front of me, what I'd like, Ken, I haven't put enough thought into it to see where I'd land. But I want to see the version of Mark Shifley that is sped up, that we've seen engaged in the first couple of games, because tonight looked more like last year for me, the player who didn't get going full on heading down to the zone and the player that got outskated to the net by Jack Eichel for the game-winning goal. That's what we were used to seeing last season was Mark Shifley right in behind the guy who scores the game-winner in OT. That's what we saw here tonight. I hey. just... I, get, I like the get idea Hammy in here. We got 12 up. minutes yeah. only. We got 12 well, minutes. Sure, you forgot sure. to send the link. You're supposed to team me up and then you just talk for six minutes. Well, hey, it's my <laughs> podcast too, Ken. It's not all about you. Why don't you respond? Give me an I, idea. I'm, Where, what I'm did trying, you think I'm about trying. I, they don't have the, light, the lines where they want them. I mean, that's clear. Don't you think? I mean, yes. Um, they're don't not rolling. I'm sending the link. <laughs> The Jets need Ehlers back. Now, one thing I would say, Morgan Barron uh, has picked. So we talked about the third line needing more offense. I mean, Adam Lowry's off to a strong start offensively. And Morgan Barron now up to three assists on the season. Uh, I would say one quick thing. I mean, it looked, you know, in real time that it might have been tripping. But it looked like maybe Barron might have been. What did you think about the replay in slow motion? The I stick thought is that I, the, the He was stick falling, right? Pulls, the stick it was between his legs, right but it didn't ball. pull him down. Yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. I still think it's a missed call because I don't think that the ref could have possibly seen that right. he didn't trip him. So I think it's a missed call. But in the end, in slow motion, it's the right call. I'm not giving the ref credit because I don't think he saw it. I think the ref just kind of kind of let it go. I don't think he should have let it go. But but um, but I it, in the end, it was the right call. So I've got no problem with that call not happening. And the Jets' reaction is is a problem, also, right? I mean, they they kind of stopped playing, and you can't stop playing. I mean, that's what happened. Mark Stone got open in the slot. I uh, kind of here's the other thing. Do you think Mark did that on purpose? He kind of the first play was kind of like a it was rolling, but it was a bit of a flip shot, and then he batted the rebound out of the air. So um, it was. I mean, that's a play that uh, the Jets need to be tighter on for sure. But you're right, Sean. Normally, when a, when a, when a play like that leads to a scoring chance. Like 95% of the time, it gets called. I'm not saying it should have been called either. I think that Morgan Barron was kind of going down, but just where Chandler Stevenson's stick was, usually on the ice, you see that as a, as a, as a penalty. But goodness, the penalty, the Jets didn't work hard enough to drop power plays for the majority of this game. So Agreed. that's Agreed. something that if you're, not, if you're not skating, you're not forcing the opponent to call you down. Right. I mean, you got to use your speed in order to do that. Anyone who had beef with the officials tonight and were upset with the officials rather than the uh, uh, than the Jets and their performance on this night, to me, strike me as the kind of parents who look for excuses for their kids behavior and blame the teacher (laughs) and this and that and never actually point a finger where the actual problem is. Take those off the screen, uh, Ken. Take uh, Dom Zappi off the screen because we're bringing in the hammer. I haven't heard this song in a while. Get it going.
just gonna say it now. We're going long tonight because ten. Oh hey hey hey. Oh good. Well, ten, 10 minutes of hammy is not enough for me. I want to cut, start this off by saying uh, uh, talk I, more? at the beginning, Jeff, of, of this <laughs> podcast, I, I, I felt shame. I felt shame that I defended the Jets against L.A. and then defended them against the Coyotes once again, only to have this happen. I felt burnt. I felt like I was standing up for someone who just kept behind my back doing the same things over and over again. And I will say this, at the end of the last podcast, Hammy sent me a text on my phone and was like, I can't listen to this anymore. You did not have as rosy a look outlook as I had. I know people in the chat room here are going to say that I'm like being far too negative. I've got the feeling that your perspective of the Jets uh, may be even more harsh than mine over the last couple of games. Now you know how I feel, man, sitting in the back here while you keep talking and talking and talking, not sending me a link, you know, over and over. It's been, you know, I've been Jeff, all the and you're bringing on. me down hold to the Jeff, final Jeff, credit. Jeff, hold on, hold on. I have the power to take you out of the show at any time, buddy, so don't be attacking the host. I asked you a question. Okay, okay, Get okay, Sean. Okay, 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 okay. You know what? Well, no, I just, well, first of all, to address your comment or my text, rather, I just didn't, I wasn't buying into this whole playing the right way stuff. I mean, there were flashes of playing, you know, better hockey and credit to the Jets for finding a way to win. You know, this certainly wasn't a case of good teams find ways to win. This was them coming on late and beating a team in the LA Kings who who entered the night allowing the most goals in the National Hockey League. Okay, they weren't, they're not the feel-good story Kings that we saw last season. They're struggling this year. And then Arizona Coyotes, are we serious? I mean, this is a team that's, actually you know clearly tanking for for a for a good draft pick and so that come from behind when i mean that that wasn't even for sure and you know i'll go don cherry here on on this and i don't know how to say his name you know uh hedge melka or whatever you want to the there, there was a good chance the that, that this was a good chance that he was going to shut this team down and so again credit to the jets for getting five out of six points but tonight they had absolutely no business in winning. And Connor Hellebuck, I mean, I'm not going to put words in his mouth. Um, Kenny, you were there when we were asking him. I mean, it was probably a combination of A, being super frustrated with allowing that goal with six seconds left, um, you know, in the overtime. But it, you had to think some of his frustration was clearly the, the play in front of him. I mean, they, they left him, they, they hung him out to dry all game. I mean, it was a, it was a I wrote my, my story today. I don't know what was crazier. The first period against LA or the first period tonight, um, but either way, it was it was, it was it was damn close. And so, you know, it just there's so many things that, like it's not all bad. Okay, so I'm not trying to come in here and stomp on the Jets. I mean, they're tied with the Dallas Stars for first place in the Central. So you can't sit there and go, you know, this is a brutal, uh, you know, brutal team or or whatever. You but you know, at the same time. And I love the comments after the game. You know, I love the comments from Scott Arneal after the game. I like the comments from Marty Johnson. They're not letting their top six off the hook here. These guys need to be leaders on this team. That's why you get paid astronomical amounts of money to do what we saw Jack Eichel do with six seconds left in overtime. You're, you're paid to deliver. And, and while, you, you know, Mark has six goals this year, uh, you know, Kyle Connor, who's got tons of chances, and I'm not even, you know, I don't even want to go on him because I think those are going to eventually go. I, my, my, I think Kenny jinxed them by saying he was going to get top <laughs> 50 this year, you know, so there's probably a little bit of the, the, the weave curse in there. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah. but, you know, you, you hear it from Scott Arneal. I mean, at, but while giving credit to the bottom six, he was ultimately taking a, a subtle shot at the top six for not playing this or making the simple play and looking alike 
you know, in games where, yeah, you're at the end of three games and four nights, but you need to be making the simple plays. You need to be, you know, you need to be doing what we saw from the, the bottom four. And and the fact of the matter is, is oh, oh this team, could, the Jets could have easily won tonight. And, and you could even argue after that, you know, treacherous 50, 60 minutes, they probably should have won in overtime with the opportunities they had. I mean, Josh Morrissey had a good chance. Schmidt had a good chance. Mark Scheifele had a good chance. Kyle Connor had a good chance. And they're playing the backup goalie for the second time this year against Vegas. And by the way, on a side note of, of the backup goalies, the Jets have played backup goalies for four of their nine games. So, you know what? I, I'm not saying there isn't, you know, there isn't some things to like. There certainly is. But the biggest uh, comment I thought was great from our, our Neil was, was he, you know, was he said, the games are only going to get tougher. The teams are only going to get harder to beat. And, you know, the Jets are stealing, you know, points at this point in the season. And that's great because you don't want to fall behind. But, man, do they need to improve. And I'll say one last thing before I get off the, the, the buffet here because you've weighed me weight was Brendan the thing the, one of the best quotes I thought at the end of the game was Brendan Dillon saying collectively that this team understood they had no business winning the game and that it was Connor Hellebuck's effort that willed them to one point and so just the acknowledgement of that while obvious is exactly you know what you want to hear I think in a post game in a game where you still stole a point and you got five five out of six points on a three game road trip you, you are entirely right. We would have not heard that in the last number of years for the Jets. We started hearing it last year, but there always would have been. That was one of the things that used to, uh, you know, kind of grate me when the Jets, grate at me when the Jets would uh, um, pull out games like that is there would be this real sense of them patting themselves on the back after a game like that. And, and, and I just, it never sat right with me. I ask you this, Jeff. Uh, because it, it was my take uh, on this that the Jets came in, got away with it against uh, the Kings, and then just did it again and again in this uh, game here tonight. Now, hopefully, hopefully getting away with one point is enough for them to kind of say, okay, we can't keep doing that anymore. But why do you think in a training camp run by coaches that are trying to get away from the exact kind of game that we saw in these last three games, what what possible explanation is there or what is your take on why the Jets allowed themselves to kind of get worse and worse and worse over this trip in spite of the fact that they pulled out five or six points? I think Paul Maurice enabled this this club to be mentally weak with how he handled the team. I think he allowed them. He wasn't strong enough. He wasn't doing what, what, what I said off the top, challenging the top six, telling them they need to play a simple game, commenting, period, about them post-game. Like, I can't even think about one one time one example that Paul Maurice would have said that so I think what they're doing here is they're trying to get the like you know Scott O'Neill said it after the game I mean these games are mental as much as they are physical I don't know who looked more tired out there you know them after a three-game road trip or me 24 hours in Vegas like it's just it's just it's just one of those things where you know this team you know they 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 won off their skill and, and you know I agree with you 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 <laughs> Rennie in the sense that uh in the sense that you know, like, which I laugh because it's rare. No, just kidding. You got great taste. But I agree with you in the sense that, you know, they kind of, they, they reverted back to their old style. So part of my frustration listening yesterday was saying that they're playing the right way. They're not playing the right way. They're playing the old way. You know what I mean? And you can't stick to it. Like, you can't, you know, there's going to be growing pains with these new systems, right? Because Paul Maurice was asking arguably the same thing that Rick Bonus is asking. I'm not saying the systems are the same, but they're, you know, Paul Maurice was asking guys, 
to be hard on the puck, to be difficult, to play a 200-foot game. We, we would always say this team wasn't built to play, you know, that style of game. Well, I think under Bonus, what the massive difference is, is that, and, and not just Rick Bonus, Scott Arneal, Marty Johnson, who this who earlier today said he called out, you know, he, he said he called out the top line to, to score greasier goals. You know, and of course, you know, Brad Lauer as well. Who's, they've all done a great job of not just, not just, you know, wanting them to play a better, more defensive game, but are willing to listen to them, to talk to them, to, you know, let them, to make them understand why it's important to play this style of game. And, and when those habits do come consistent, if they become consistent, I think this team is going to be a very dangerous team. They have top end talent. They can score goals. The challenge will be mentally. Can they, you know, this whole word buying in, right? I mean, it's a cliche thing. It's a whatever. But this team really needs to believe. They need to be taught. They need to be convinced that this is the style in which they can play. And I think, you know, at the end of it, I don't like. I and I asked, you know, our, our Neil this after the game was like, do you take solace in the fact that you got five out of six points, or is this, or does this kind of like? Do you think the players think that – does it mask over some of what I think are some serious concerns with the game? And, and, and I, thought, I thought Scott's answer was perfect. I think he was – you know, I think he said, well, you know, ultimately said that you can't be playing like this. And, and you know, I, to my comment earlier, was you mentioned that the, te- the games are just getting harder and that when, when you have guys like Lowry's line, you have guys like the fourth line playing the way the coaches want to play – you need the top six to be doing that too. And I think that's going to be the toughest job for this coaching staff is to convince the top six to be playing a more simpler, less flashy game. And I said this earlier in the season, there's too many players on expiring contracts eventually here who are going to, or are going to be up for redeals in the next couple of years that I don't know. You know, we all know goals get paid. We all know if you want double digits, you need to score, you know, lots of goals. I'm, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm not convinced. I think it's going to be a massive challenge to convince that top six to play a simple team game, the kind of game we know NHL teams, good NHL teams, Stanley Cup contending NHL teams need to play to win. Um, hey, I'm going to let the chat room have the next question towards you, Hammy, but I wanted to address this first. Egan is a, Egan Isawim uh, says, did Hasek have no business being in a cup final? This is my big problem with minimizing what Helly did. The goalie affects the game sometimes the most. You can't ignore that to cut the team down. I've heard this argument before about a team as a whole, and if you've got a good goalie that's saving your butt on a lot of nights, that's part of it. If anyone remembers what the 1999 Buffalo Sabres were, it was a lunch pail group of guys who worked their butts off, maybe weren't as talented as most teams, but went out and punched the other team in the mouth over and over and over again and gave Dominic Hasek the best possible chance to succeed. And he still went out of his way to stand on his head and get there. Comparing, like, this is where I am not okay with this. There are very few... the reason why I talk about what I'm talking about, what the Jets are, are doing, the Jets are capable of doing good things. Just like the point Hammy just made, they're capable of being a really good team who also has this phenomenal goaltender who can, like we saw tonight, help them get points in games they don't deserve it. I don't think you can find an example of a team that went to the Stanley Cup final with a good goaltender and a team that was not interested in putting in a hard effort on on 18% of the nights that they play. So 
this whole thing about like, no, no, the Jets are who they are. They've got a good goalie. That's all part of the package. That's part of a package of a team that usually gets nowhere in the playoffs, as we've seen the last couple of years. And this is the disconnect that I have with the like. I know T. Will is talking about like us being negative, and and a lot of the people in there, I think T. Shoe as well, is talking about us being negative, and like. I, I like to think that the stuff we've pointed out is where that that got them, you know, where they were last year. This team has got progressively worse every single season from 2018 until now. Why would we be blowing, you know, rainbows on this show all the time on a team that is progressively getting worse? I don't understand the response sometimes that the negativity that we're bringing to the table. Tonight is not a night that if the, if the team itself is saying this is not good enough, why would we be saying it's good enough? Why would we be in here talking about, well, five or six points, let's throw a parade. That's not happening. Uh, Lynn Reimer asks, and I want you to get this, Hammy. So how do you see moving forward how to correct it? That's the big question here, and that's what the, the coaching staff is going to be wrestling with. Well, how do you see the coaching staff handling this and changing the game from something that they at least say compared to the old regime will come out and say is not acceptable? Well, just to, you know, to, to just address just briefly that that comment, I mean, I don't think anyone's, you know, like making less of Hellbuck's contributions. I mean, I think he's a massive piece of the puzzle. And I, you know, I, I and, and, and I, and to your point about being negative, I mean, it's not, you know, I guess it can come across as negative. I mean, I, you know, I, I mentioned that five out of six points are great. They're atop the central. This is a skilled team. They're possible. But when you see what the coaches are saying day in and day out, and when you're watching what the players are doing game in and game out, they're not aligning. So to answer the to answer the question, I think what the coaches need to do is is I think what the coaches need to do is just continue to enforce the message. I mean, this is the beauty of the current situation the Jets are in. They're atop the central division and they're not playing their best hockey. And we've talked about this. This is what I don't get. Like you know, and it drives me absolutely bananas. Like the Jets lose a game and they're the worst in the world. The Jets win a game and they're the best in the world. This guy's a Vesna caliber player. This person's going to win, you know, the Calder. This person, you know, it's just, it's absolutely bananas to hear out loud. And so we've been talking about it since training camp that this is a team that is going to go through growing pains. New systems, greater responsibility in the defensive zone, a challenging way to play but if done consistently and correctly will be successful and so that so what you need to be doing is not panicking after nine games the Jets are in an actually an awesome situation they're getting points and they're and they're going through their growing pain if we would have said the Jets would be you know top of the central with nine games into the season would that be a good thing? Absolutely. But what, what I think we're, what, what we're suggesting, or at least what I'm suggesting is, this isn't going to work long term. Like, this, isn't, this isn't a recipe for success. The recipe Agreed. for success is the, is the systems and program that's being put into place by Rick Bonus and his staff. Adding to what I, you know, just to kind of bring up something I already said is, there is an element of buy-in. It's just, it's just at a certain point in time, you know this you know this thing needs to kind of click i don't think you know this team needs to make uh, needs to make the playoffs if they want to make the playoffs it needs to click sooner than later you can't be going you know freelance for you know for the last stages of the game and because i think that's one of the biggest questions through the particularly through this this road trip and i asked adam lowry this you know kind of after the the interviews were done was like when you go down in that in in that in because you look at rick bonus's systems right you saw it in dallas they're not a high scoring 
you know, system. They're a defensively based system and scoring off when you get possession of the puck, you know, you know and, and taking your opportunities. Well, with this, with, with, with this Jets team, that's not what we've been seeing. We haven't been seeing, you know, them play consistently. When you get down two or three goals, when you have such bad starts that we've seen and you start trailing in games, you can't really stay consistent to that defensive game. You have to go out of it. So I think there's a growing frustration with the coaching staff that because of those slow starts, you never want to start slow, obviously, but because of those slow starts, they're almost forced to, to go against the systems they're trying to implement implement and that must be frustrating for a staff and would probably be frustrating for a players um hey i i wanted your guys thoughts on this because it's come up a couple times matt burns says he wants to hear the thoughts on the coaching staff overusing shife casey and morrissey in ot and a lack of using perfetti in a situation he would be good in. i i i think the perfetti is something that we can tackle here based on what he's done what i saw from the shife casey and morrissey situation was they went out and they controlled the puck and they weren't giving up control and managed to get a change and and a new line out against the tired uh, line there. Are you guys seeing what you saw here, Ken? It's been a while since we heard from you. Uh, you have any thoughts on Matt's uh, comments here? Because they've, they've popped up a couple times. They were dangerous. That's why they were. Mark's the leading goal scorer. You want your leading goal scorer on the ice. I mean, I don't consider it to be overuse. Um, was he on a lot? Yes, but that's because he was dangerous in overtime. After not being dangerous, you know, throughout much of the much of the game here, uh, we got a couple. Of, oh, you got him. Okay. Oh, are, they checking, are they checking my uh, search the history bots. in Vegas yeah. right now? Or what's going go. on here? Yeah. One, one more for you. Uh, so I, I I don't see yes. that in, 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 in terms of Perfetti specifically, Sean. Um, Cole was the probably the best jet on Friday, and he wasn't as impactful today. I mean. Uh, we, we had this debate about Nikolai Ehlers, but Nikolai Ehlers is one of the fastest skaters in the NHL. Kyle, Cole Perfetti can work in overtime because of his ability to process in his brain, but he's not a great skater. He's not a gifted skater. So playing on three-on-three, three, you need to be able to get around the ice. So I think there'll come a time in Cole's career where he's used a lot in overtime. Do I think he should be used more right now in overtime? I'm not banging on the drum saying... The Jets lost because Perfetti wasn't on the ice. I mean, he had a couple dangerous scoring chances, but you got to be—you have to be a higher. You know, when people say, "Oh, well, Lowry was on the ice in overtime with Appleton," well, that worked once in Colorado, so they—they they wanted to go, you know, defense versus offense. I mean, Perfetti is a guy who does a lot of things great, and he's going to continue to work in his skating, but he's not a burner. So, playing in overtime where there's all that open ice. There's going to be times where Cole's smarts work out for him, but I don't think the Jets lost in overtime because Perfetti wasn't on the ice and Shifley got an extra shift. I just don't see that as being the reason. I, I, that, I don't know that there's any other way for me to put that. If Cole had played the way he did on Friday, I would absolutely put in a vote to give him a shift in overtime. Today, I didn't think he had his legs. So if you don't have your legs, overtime can be a scary place to be for anyone let alone a 20-year-old rookie. Yeah, um, I wanted to just tackle this here. Paolo says, uh, and it's great because it's building off Jeff's point. He says, Sean, is it possible this is growing pains like what Hammy is saying and not a simple reversion to last year? That's what I think and, and the hard schedule to start. I, I think it's both. Like, can it be both? Like, this is, or I, I don't know how much more an obvious reversion we could have to what the Jets were. So I think part of the growing pains are that you've got kind of a baked in system that you've played for a number of years. And that's what you kind 
kind of want to fall back to. And I think what makes that system so easy to fall back into is it's it's a, a system that gets you points with a lack of effort. I mean, don't we all want to do that? Don't you want to find a quicker way to mow the lawn? Isn't every business about being as efficient as possible and as put and putting in as little resources as possible into something while getting as much of a return out? That's what this is. It's the Jets found find a cheat code in surviving games like this without putting in a good effort and still get the payday at the end of all of it. So that's why it's so easy for them to fall back into it. But I think that that is the big big question here is how this jet staff gets tries to convince this jets team to stop playing a game that they still see success from and like like we said look at the chat room how many people here are celebrating and saying stop asking questions and join the party about five points in six games well i think the jets are think like those fans you know we what do you want from us we had five out of six points on this trip and I think the coaching staff is going to say, we want a game that's going to be sustainable and doesn't turn into one out of six points when February rolls around or something like that. Um, Jeff, uh, j- just give kind of a breakdown of where you thought uh, uh, the top six went with the lines and how you think it affected the game tonight and what you expect to see out of these potential lineups going forward. Well, and, and I'll say this too. Like, I mean, just to reiterate before, like, Five out of six points is great. Top of the central is great. I mean, but listen to the post game. If you don't want to believe us or you think we don't know anything, that's fine. Everyone's entitled to an opinion. Absolutely. But go listen to the coaches. They're the ones that run this team. I mean, they're saying the same thing. They're not happy about it. Think of the words that Scott Arneal used to describe two or all three of these games. Ugly, you know, lucky. Like those are not words that you want to to use to describe victory straight up. As for the top six, I think it's, you know, it's an interesting situation. I and mean, we also have to consider here, Nikolai Ehlers is not in the lineup yet. He's only played two games. That's a massive, that's a massive piece of the puzzle that's missing. So that's thrown a wrench into it. I think Mason Appleton is, you know, has done okay. He's not a top six forward. You know what I mean? Like it's just the the, the change is just the change is just you know, from one to the other is is pretty stark. So. You know, I think it's been challenging too a little bit. I mean, to, 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 to Kenny's point about Cole Perfetti, I didn't think he really had his feet going tonight. I think that was really challenging for him in the L.A. game when the when the Jets took four power plays, uh, sorry, four penalties in the penalties. opening period. He's not part of the, P, of the PK, so he didn't, you know, it's tough for a young guy like that to go through what, you know, might not seem like it, but it is a lot of adversity to not play through the first period and then be expected to get going against top-end talent, right? So, you know, I just, you know, you look at that top six and, you know, you know Kyle Connor snake-bitten, you know, Blake Wheeler, I mean, I don't know, guys, like seven points in nine, is it seven points in nine games for the, for yep. the guy? I mean, yep. that's obviously a positive, but... You know, he's not playing like a seven point nine game player. I mean, he looks tired out there. He looks, you know, so it's, it's, I think it's asking, like, when they lose a piece like Nikolai Ehlers, a lot of, you know, a lot of strong, mentally strong built teams can get, can get through, you know, losing top end, you know, one top end guy. I think the Jets are still navigating through that where whether it's, you know, whether it's, <laughs> whether it's, uh, <laughs> whether it's Mark Shifley for spells in the past, whether it was, you know, even Blake Wheeler at times in the past, you know, this team struggles when they have guys out and it's thrown a real wrench into that top line. And, you know, it's, you know, for them to, to them to switch late into the second period against Arizona, it worked out in the sense like, you know, it worked out in the sense that Mark Shifley scored, but can you really say it worked out? 
You know, I think I think in the end that was as much to do with getting Kyle Connor going than anything else. I mean, that's essentially what Scott Arneal said after the game, and then he kind of added a couple other things. You know, like the chemistry between Blake Wheeler and, and Mark Shifley, and and you know, it was meant to get you know Kyle Connor going because this team needs him to be scoring goals. And the fact, again, if you want to take positives. The fact that they, you know, the fact that they aren't getting that goal production from Kyle Connor, and they don't have Nikolai Ehlers in the lineup for a majority of the season, and they're still managing to get points, is a massive positive. It's just at this point in time, you know, it, it, it goes to trying to convince these guys, right? I mean, Sean, like you said, you, it reverts back to you know the old style, and I think you kind of have to when you're chasing goals because that tells me that they're not convinced that they can generate offense under the system that the that the that the team's trying to instill. And when you fall behind in games, and maybe they're right. Maybe they maybe it isn't maybe they aren't able to generate offense in that and they have to change. But I think that again, I think the coaching staff is kind of being a little bit easier on the team because I because of their because of their slow starts and because they've fallen behind and they haven't been able to you know play that game like we saw and I think I forget who mentioned it, that St. Louis game. That was that was bad you know that's about as good as it gets for this team under that system. Um, Kenny, uh, here, listen, I'm just going to make this clear. I'm not in Vegas. I'm sitting at home in my basement in Winnipeg. You guys have the city of sin hanging ahead of you. I don't want to keep you long. You guys want to shut this down? I need to write. Jeff is done writing, but I still okay. have to write here. So. All right. Well, here, I saw Tristan coming up here. Uh, we already heard his ripping uh, renditions to bring both uh, Weber and Hammy into the show. So I'm going to throw on the headband before we say our goodbye so we can hear a little bit more of this action. Let's make it a late-breaking Sean's headband show before we shut this down. <laughs> All right, boys, Hammy, you brought it as always. Really appreciate you showing up. I've got a whole bunch of TransCanada Brewing beer that I need help drinking. Oh. So when you get back to town, you oh, got to stop time. blowing me off. Stop blowing me off the way that you've been doing all summer. we got to get together. <laughs> oh, you gee. Have a beer. Whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe you're you going to why those things you know are coming I mean. on. <laughs> on the chat line. Holy smokes. You're, you're, yeah. It's your language that's triggering no, those, those, those no. ads. It's a very commonly used term, blowing yeah, someone off. Yeah, blowing yeah, someone yeah. off. It's exactly the opposite yeah, of what yeah. you think it is. Yeah, it's the sorry, very yeah. opposite of what you think it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, really appreciate yes, you coming on the can. show. Can't wait to see you guys coming, coming back into town here. going to be a little while before we see another game, not until Thursday. So we want to thank everybody, the great numbers they've been pumping into our show. Really appreciate it. Got to say uh, uh, another thanks to our sponsors, as always, TransCanada Brewing Company, Vittorio Rossi, and the Johnston Group. I've said this before. I'll say it after every show. Happens with Winnipeg Sports Talk and the Illegal Curve Boys. If you appreciate the conversations that are happening in these spaces, please appreciate the businesses and the sponsors who are making this happen. It wouldn't be happening without them, and that would be uh, our group that are kicking in for that. Uh, Lastly, uh, hey, if you're going to show up, please hit the like button before uh, you take off. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed. Love spending time with everybody out there. The chat room was on fire, as they always are, and we can't wait to see you back on Thursday after the next game against the Montreal Canadiens to see if Rennie can be right. 
that after 10 games, the Jets go 5-4-1. I'm one Canadian's victory away from that. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you on Thursday.